I'm excited about tonight's message. It's going to be great. But before that, I want to just kind of I want to share a little bit with you about my personal life. And so I recently, um, I've been trying to get back in shape. You know, I'm like approaching that middle age threshold where you kind of got to make a choice. Um, you know, do you, you want to, you know, follow your doctor's advice and be healthy, which nobody wants to do that? Um, or, you know, do I want to follow in my dad's footsteps? And, you know, you know, yeah, you guys know. Um, so I made the choice to listen to my doctor. And so that's kind of led me to a place of like exercising for the first time since I was like 16. Um, it, it's not that enthusiastic, trust me. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to find things that speak to me that, that I enjoy. And so I started, uh, started mountain biking. Um, it's been, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. One of the things I've really enjoyed about it is my two oldest sons. It's something that, that they'll come do with me. One of them really enjoys doing it with me. The other, I think he really just likes to spend time with me. And he's like, eh, if this is a way that I'll do it, man, I'll get out there on the bike, right? And he's like, yeah, it's a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> but, but it's just great, man, because I like spending time with my boys. And, you know, I'm scoring points with my doctor and I'm scoring points with my wife. And so what could be better? Um, and so this is what I learned, though. First, I learned that Claremore's got some phenomenal trails. It's really good, man, if you haven't seen them. Um, uh, we're really blessed as a community with just the investment that, that we've made. And so when we went out there for the first time, I was completely oblivious to what's there. And so they were kind enough to have a trail map, right? And so shows you where all the trails are, where you need to go. And I'm like, man, this is useful. I need this because I have no idea what's out here. I have no idea where I'm going. The trail map is color-coded. It's labeled. And so some are like beginner level, some are like intermediate, and then some are expert. Now me and my $150 Walmart bike, like I'm totally an expert, right? Um, and what else could I be? I mean, I haven't exercised in forever. I'm, you know, almost probably had a stroke last year. My blood pressure was so high. Of course, I need to get out there and just really push myself because I'm still 16, you know, in my heart and in my mind. And so um, I totally pushed past the label of like expert and, and that's the trails I started hitting. Um, and then I brought my, my wife out there with me and she, she hates biking and, um, at times when I've drawn her out there, I'm pretty sure she hated me too. Um, but I actually brought a picture of her. And so, um, yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell which one she is. She's the one that's bent over, um, <laughs> hating me. She's like probably contemplating divorce in that moment. Like, what did I get myself into? Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> labels are important sometimes, right? And as people... Um, we do tend to label things, right? And uh, when it comes to mountain biking, those labels, man, they, they do mean something. Um, the skill level and different trails, I mean, it, it is. I mean, it, it means something, and that can be important. And labels can be important, but sometimes, um, sometimes they can be a bad thing. So people label things. It's what we do. Labels help us to identify things and items. They provide us with an expectation, right? And so um, the expectation was communicated. Hey, this is an expert trail. I told my wife, it's probably a beginner's trail. Let's go out here anyways. Um, but <laughs> that's not what, what took place, actually. And in today's culture... In today's culture, um, there seems to be this resurgence of labeling, right? Um, we hear about it all the time. It's talked about all the time. Um, and it's become this huge problem uh, where we do categorize ourselves. Um, we categorize people. And so labels like on a mountain bike trail are useful, but the things we label ourselves with are not so much. And so um, we like to divide people up uh, politically, right? We have Republicans, Democrats, and, and we self-identify in those areas too, right? We put ourselves in those categories. 
categories. Well, the problem arises when we, when we place a value on that. Well, if I'm a Democrat, you know, I, don't, I may not value the Republican as much, but if somebody's got a, a D by their name, you know, I'm going to put value with them, right? Or vice versa, we do that. Um, it might be liberal, conservative, right? We, we categorize people, and I don't want to get into the politics, but the truth of the matter is that's what we do. We label each other, and we assign values to these labels. And, and it goes on and on. And some aren't so bad. Some are, are, are labels that people will put on themselves. Sexual preference. People are doing that. that that's a big thing in society and schools. And, and instead of just identifying by, by who God created us to be, we, we want to add all these other identifiers to it as well. Um, and we can go on and on with that. Um, I like this one. You know, we've got boomers. Anybody know what a boomer is? I got any boomers in here, generation? I got a few of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boomers, man, and then uh, Gen X. Got some Gen Xers? No, man. Yeah, forget you guys. This one really irks me. It's millennials, man. Um, so I found out by definition, and this is this is bullcrap. By definition, apparently, I'm a millennial. And here's the thing: they start that in 1981. I don't know if you guys knew that. And so, 1981 to, to 1996. And so, you got these guys over here, like that had like eight-bit game systems, and they're comparing with people like 32-bit game systems. I mean, it's a completely different culture. If you were raised in the 80s versus the 90s, you're from two different worlds on multiple things. And so, it was really just depressing. Thought about writing a letter to my congressman because there's no way. I should be a millennial. I've never eaten a Tide Pod, um, and that's just not fair. <laughs> Gen Z, man, those, those are the ones. Those are the ones that are really out there as Gen Z and the ones that, that have really just let everybody down. Um, <laughs> But, but we do, man. We buy into these labels. Again, sometimes they're self-identifiers. Sometimes they're labels that we've placed on people. But again, we assign value to all of those. We assign value to all of those. And some of the labels, they're not so friendly, right? Um, it might be addicted. That was a label that I attached to myself for a long time. And, and that's how I went through life. I'm an addict. I'm addicted. And so that was an identifier that, that I slapped on. And here's the thing. Society placed value on me for that label and I placed value on me. Both were zero. Both were zero, and I would go through life that way. And then I had a marriage, and it failed. And so then I was divorced. And then I was single dad. And, and we, we slapped these labels on. We slapped these identifiers on. And they come from the world. They come from culture. And, and unfortunately, they almost always devalue us or devalue the person that we're putting that label on. Might be homeless, unemployed. I had a season of life where I've been both of those things and I didn't have a place of my own. I didn't have a job. I didn't have something to do. And again, it's another identifier, another labor, label that says, I can't succeed. I can't do this. I'll never be anything but this or this or this. And we continue to put those on and they weigh us down and they keep us from God's call. They keep us from being able to move forward. Maybe it's unloved. Maybe it's unwanted. You know, the, the words that, that our parents spoke into our lives, they, they had weight behind them. You know, we grew up with the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a lie that was as we came into adulthood and we realized that, that every idle word spoken by our parents had significant weight. And sometimes it was the words not spoken or the absent parent that again labeled us as unloved, unwanted, discarded, waste, or whatever it may be. And we've attached these things to us and, and they've crippled us and they've kept us from, from being anything more 
than what we self-identified as or what we've allowed somebody else to identify us as. And so if we're not careful, we start to define ourselves by labels that others have placed on us or we've placed on ourselves. And it's, it's a farce. It's a lie. It's crippling. And it keeps us from success. And so when we come into that season where we say, I'm finally ready to change, well, we define our chances of success by who we define ourselves as. And so when I was coming into recovery, I could never picture my life as anything but an addict because that's all I could see myself as. And it wasn't until I pulled that blinder off and said, that's not who I am. That's what somebody's told me I am. That's what somebody told me I would be. It wasn't until I removed that. It wasn't until I realized that, that I wasn't labeled by a failed marriage, that I could have success with, with, with a wife, and I could really experience what God had for me, that, that I could come into the relationship I have with Janelle, that I had to remove that and really begin to experience who God said I was and experience what God said I could do. And so the labels we should be focused on and there are labels we should be focused on. Are this, man, are they lost, saved? That's something I want to know about me, about the people in the room. I mean, if you're homeless, I'm okay. I'm okay. I mean, I want you to do better. That's not how I'm going to label. You know what I want to know? I want to know where you stand with Christ. I want to know your position with Jesus. Do you know him? Do you not? Are you lost? Are you saved? That's something that I want to know. Are you free or are you held captive? That's something that I want to know. Not so I can judge you because we're called to help you. And I want to know about, about myself. You know, are there situations? Are there places? Are there strongholds where I'm still bought into captivity? Those are labels that I want to know. Redeemed, restored, resurrected. We have to begin to find the labels that matter. To find the labels that, that matter to God. To find the truth. To find the identity that he's given us. And so tonight's message is titled this, Identity Crisis. And I believe, I truly believe that in today's culture, we've gotten caught up on all of these other labels inside the church and outside of the church. And we've missed the ones that matter. We've missed the truth that matters. And the truth of the matter is this, that, that as Christians inside the church, we're not citizens of this world. Our identifiers here in this place, they're insignificant unless it directly relates to our position with Jesus. And so tonight, I want to talk about labels. I want to talk about what you do when you've allowed yourself to be mislabeled. And because of that, you've lost sight of your identity. Because that's what we do every time we pick up another label from this world. It's like putting a wall in between our identity and who God's called us to be, that we begin to separate ourselves and keep us from experiencing what he has for us. And so something takes place when we pursue Jesus, that, that there's, there's something that, that we're outside of the church one moment, and, and some of those labels might apply. I was captive. I, I was addicted. I was lost. But something takes place when we step into our recovery and we pursue Christ. When, when we step into this church building, when we step into that relationship, when we begin to do things different, God begins to do a work in us. God begins to transform us, and we overlook that. And so tonight, what I want to talk about, it directly applies to us that, that have decided to call Jesus Savior and friend. But if you're in here and you're like, man, I'm just not there yet, 
I want you to look forward to this as that hope, that promise that you have, that, that one day if you make that commitment, if you make that decision, if you pursue these things, that this can be yours too. And so labels, they may be a fact of life, but that doesn't mean they have to rule our life. The solid, firm, biblical reality is that we are not our labels. Our identity is, found, is not found in our past or even our present, but it's found in Jesus. And so I want to start tonight um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to encourage you, open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's going to be kind of our key passage tonight. And 2 Corinthians, it's in your New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul. It was part of a series of letters he wrote to the church of Corinth, directly dealing with sin initially in the church. That's 1 Corinthians. And then in 2 Corinthians, he's kind of in a a posture where he's defending his ministry and defending um, just the things of God. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14 and 15, it says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. And so... He said, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. And so that's a very significant truth when it comes to labels because you're setting a defining line that that even if these things were true here, that when you've made that decision and commitment to do something different, and again, that's my hope for you, that's my my priority for you is to experience Jesus, that, that when you make that decision and you commit and you pursue him, you've died to this life. That means it has no bearing on you moving forward in a spiritual sense. Now, I do want to point out something that doesn't mean that the judge is going to forgive you of any legal troubles, things like that. You know, you can have real world consequences, but as far as Jesus goes, that there's been a transformation that's taken place internally. Those labels, those things no longer apply. And so he said, we also believe that we had died to our old life. He died, that's Jesus, for everyone so that those who receive his new life, say new life. New life life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And so Paul's painting this picture. There's something that takes place when we commit our lives to Jesus. There's something that takes place immediately. It's not just that we have a hope to look forward to in heaven, but there's something behind the scenes taking place. There's a renewal, a transformation of our spirits. We're made right, we're redeemed. All of these things are taking place and you may not be aware of it, but, but God is, God sees it. And eventually those things begin to work themselves out on the surface. It's what happened in my life. It took years for me to, to realize it fully and to allow him to really take hold. But, but I submitted my life one day and little by little, God began to do this work in me. And, and even though from day one, these things no longer applied in relationship to Jesus, that it took a while for me to catch on fully. And so my encouragement is, you'll do it a little faster than me. Hopefully you're not as dense as I am. Um, in verse 16, he says, so, say so. so. Because of so, because of Jesus, because he's done this, so we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. That's all those labels of the culture, right? All those things we put on, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, I mean, whatever it is. Racial labels, whatever it is, stop evaluating things from a human point of view, whatever that may be. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. 
In verse 17, he says, this means that anyone, say anyone, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What an incredible promise. That, that even if you're me and you spent 18 years in addiction, doing awful things, things that, <laughs> awful things, we'll just leave it at that, um, <laughs> that you are transformed, that I was transformed, that, that I have a new life. Now, the world wants me to say, yeah, but... But you know, the interesting thing is, there's no yeah, but. It's, there's a new life, a transformation takes place. The old life is gone. No yeah, but. Move forward as the new man, as the new woman. Old labels gone, old labels off. Walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. Because of what Jesus has done, that this takes place in that submission. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And then he says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. What happened at the crucifixion? Christ was dead. Our old life is dead. The old labels, the old garbage is dead. My old life, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so what that's saying is that our identity moving forward regardless of what's going on as Christians, is not found in us, not found through us. It's not defined by your ability, by your past, by your family, because the old life has been crucified. It's dead, it's gone, and it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so in that pursuit, if the label doesn't apply to Jesus, it shouldn't apply to us, then that we have to see ourselves that way. Now, there's still growth that needs to take place. There's still things that, that we need to work through and, and to drop and, and to, to push past and to allow God to deal with. But our identity is found in Jesus from day one. The culture says, no, nope, yeah, but. But there's no yeah, but. That, that it's moved forward as a new man, new woman, and cast aside the lies of the enemy. Cast aside the labels because the only thing that they're meant to do is hinder you and keep you from fully walking out the life that Jesus has given you. And so when it comes to labels and identity, tonight I wanna offer some truths that I believe will help us to identify and discard labels. And so what I wanna do is I wanna offer you three things that, and there's a lot, there's a lot. When it comes to the truths, to labels, to identifiers, I could be up here for the next two days preaching just on, on who we are in Jesus. I know you guys got places to go. So I'm gonna give you three things that, that you can apply that, that, that I believe that if you face a lie, that you can declare these things, these truths, and you can overcome it. That, that if you declare these things, when the enemy's cornered you with your past or maybe a, a present failure, and you can say, that's not who I am, that you'll be able to speak this over your life and push past it and pursue what Jesus really has for you. And so point number one is this, you are saved. Say, I'm saved. I'm saved. And so again, this is those of us who have committed our lives to Jesus, become Christians, that the truth of the matter is this, that we're saved, that we're saved. Now, the significance of this I think, again, is lost on us. The significance of this, I believe we push past and we fail to really realize what's being said here. And so there are many, there might've been times where we're lost and hopeless, right? Anybody in here remember the, the lost and hopeless? I mean, I bet there's some of you in here that me included, remember sitting in a trap house, 
Man, I spent, I spent two weeks in a bathtub one time. That's lost and hopeless. That's lost and hopeless. Now, here's the thing. I became a Jesus follower. I still acted like I was lost and hopeless. I still acted like nothing had changed, but I'd been saved. I'd been lifted out of that. I might have allowed myself to go back to that, but that was by choice. God had saved me. God had already done the work. God had already given me the gift. I was failing to receive it because I'd bought into a lie in those moments that God had done something for me, God had done something in me, and I was already saved in that moment of, of surrender. The work had been done. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus handled it. And I failed to realize that the label that I should be wearing from day one was saved, was rescued, was redeemed. God had done something in my life and we've got, we've got to realize it. And so every time the enemy throws out a label from your past and says, yeah, but you're an addict. Yeah, but you're still, you're still back in that trap house. Yeah, but you're still out on the streets. Yeah, but you're still an adulterer, a gambling addict, whatever it is, you say no. I'm not living that life anymore. Not only am I gonna step out of it, it has no bearing on my future because I'm saved, because I'm set free. And so point number one is you're saved. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That, that what you're doing has no bearing on your ability to receive the gift of salvation, to receive the gift of freedom, to be saved. What you're doing has no bearing on that. Your life should change moving forward. It's not an excuse to live in the middle of your stuff forever. I wanna make that real clear. But while you're sinning, God showed up and said, I'm saving Aaron. I'm here for him. And I could receive it in that moment. And I could wear that label. I could wear that truth. That became a part of my identity from day one. And so the truth that when you reach that point of surrender, everything changes. Your past doesn't matter. The labels you picked up along the way, they don't matter either. The apostle Paul, he says in Romans 10, nine through 10, he says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. It's not on your ability. It's not on your works. And again, one of the lies is that, that well, I'm not good enough for God to save me yet. I'm not good enough for God to do the work. I've committed and I've followed, but, but the, the enemy will lie to us and say, yeah, but it really hasn't taken hold yet. It's not for you quite yet. It's, it's always just beyond our grasp because the truth of the matter is we'll leave here and we'll make mistakes and we'll stumble and we'll have little failures. And if we believe that it's our ability, then our, our salvation and that label of being saved that, that maybe I get to wear it Monday night here but what about Tuesday morning at work when I flipped the bird to somebody who was cutting me off on the highway or something or where I yelled at my wife or mistreated my kids? Can I still wear that? Is that still my label? Yes, as long as you're still pursuing Christ. Again, Paul lays it out here. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's by us believing and understanding what Jesus has done that we're saved, that we get to wear that label, not by our works, 
Not by what, we, what we've done, but by what he's done. And then it says, it's for by believing in your heart that you're made right. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. He goes on in 11 and 12. He says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone, say anyone. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Will never be disgraced. Now, I don't think Paul was under the impression that, that we become Christians and we walk out our life perfectly. But, but we endeavored to live right. We endeavored to do right. That's what we pursue. And you're not gonna make it every time. But you keep pushing, you keep striving. And anyone who puts their trust, their hope in Jesus, anyone who says, Jesus is my Lord, I'm gonna live my life according to him and pursue with my whole heart the things that he has for me. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. That's easy to pass over right there. But in Jesus's time, when Paul was writing this, Jew and Gentile were not the same. You wanna talk about the biggest racial divide there could ever be. Jews were taught that anybody who wasn't Jewish was trash and unclean. They couldn't even go in their house. Couldn't even do it. And so here Paul's saying, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. In what respect? that they put their hope and trust in Jesus, that they're saved, that they put their hope and trust in Jesus, that they'll never be disgraced. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter if you were a Jew and you endeavored to follow Jesus or God your whole life and the law perfectly, or if you lived as a Gentile, a barbarian, and you did awful things. It didn't matter where you came from. It only mattered where you were going. And those, are you pursuing Christ? Are you pursuing Jesus? Are you pursuing the things of God? They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And then in verse 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So as we make that decision, the label that we have the opportunity to wear is saved. And anytime we face anything in our lives that goes against that, that, that tries to convince you that you're still captive in something you can push past and say, that's not me anymore. That man is gone. That woman is gone. I'm a new creation, a new creature. I have freedom because of the name of Jesus. And so point number one, you're saved. So often negative labels, they devalue us and convince us that certain things are not for us. Not only are you saved, point number two is this, you're loved. Say, I'm loved. I'm loved. I love this. Again, this is the Apostle Paul, Romans 8, 35 through 36. He says this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or endangered or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And so Paul's laying this out here that, that are you always loved? Is there anything that can separate us from Christ's love? I mean, what if we fail? What if we mess up? What if this? And, and that's what, again, that's what the world wants us to think. That because we don't step out of here perfect and do everything perfectly right to the letter that, that again, our, our position with Christ the way that he loves us or the way that he sees us fluctuates. And that's because that's how we treat the people around us. And we just assume our imperfect brand of love is the same brand of love that God uses on us. 
But, but Paul says, can anything ever separate us? He continues in verse 37, and he says, no. Say no. no. Aren't you grateful that it's no? Because, again, I couldn't earn God's love. I couldn't stay in his good grace. I couldn't continue to walk in what he's given me. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. He goes on in verse 38, and he says, And I'm convinced that nothing, say nothing, nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. What an incredible promise. What an incredible promise. That means that even if you stepped into a relationship with Jesus and you failed, even if you feel like you should turn tail and run, that you've disqualified yourself, that you are not good enough, that God made a mistake choosing you and accepting you in the first place, you can know that that's an outright lie, that that label that you've allowed to be placed on you or that you've placed on yourself about being unworthy or unlovable is not true because when you step into that relationship with Jesus, not only do you get to wear the badge of saved, but you get to wear the one of love, that you're loved even in your imperfections. Remember, Christ died for us while we're still sinners. He, none of this is a surprise to him. The things that we do are not a surprise to him. He still chose to die for each and every one of us. He still chose to sacrifice, to lift us up, to help us in, in our darkest hour, despite the things that we've done and despite the things that we might do in the future, that none of that disqualifies us from the love of God. None of it. And so, no, despite all of that, we're still loved. And so no power and the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that the love that was displayed on the cross through Jesus, it covers the multitude of sins. It covers everything we could have done or will do as long as we continue to humble ourselves and pursue him. That, 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 that relationship is there so long as we choose it. God will never turn his back on us. God will not forsake us. That's what we do. And so we need to remain focused on him, focused on his love, focused on what he's given us. And anytime anything tries to tell us otherwise, we can remind ourselves that we are saved and that we're loved and point number three is this, that we're victorious. Sam, victorious. And so you are not a victim, you're a victor. That, that the things in your life that held you back when you surrender to Jesus, you're victorious. You have the opportunity to push past and to overcome and to have success, not because of who you are, but because of who he is, because of what he's done. And so we get to wear that badge of victor, not loser, not, nothing else. We, we get to be victors in Jesus. First John 5, 1 through 3 says, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ, um, believes that Jesus is the Christ, has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We, we know we love God's children if 
We love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That there's a promise of overcoming the things in this world that may have kicked you down and kept you down your entire life. But there's victory in Christ. That if you're stuck in the same cycle, the same trap, the same sin, the same mistake over and over again, that if you would only realize that Christ has already overcome that, if you would only submit and surrender to him, that we have the opportunity to walk in the victory that he's already given us. For five years after coming into the church, I remained an alcoholic and I drank every day because I failed to put on the label of victor. I failed to realize that from day one of surrender to Jesus, he dealt with that. He set me free from that. I only had to begin to experience and walk it out and to realize what he had done. And we're victorious because of what Jesus said. And Jesus said this in John, um, the gospel of John. He said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That Jesus is saying, the things that you face, I've already dealt with. The trials, the tribulations, the struggles, I'm aware of them. I'm not indifferent and I've overcome them. And because of that, because of who Jesus was and is, we have the opportunity to walk in that same victory, to be able to overcome the things in our life. It requires humbling ourselves before God, pursuing him and pursuing what he has for us. But we get the opportunity to wear that label of victory, of victor. I want to leave you with this final thought. It's 1 Samuel 16, 7. Um, This was when Samuel was going to anoint David. And it's just a great perspective that I believe that just keep it it in your heart and your mind. Um, But it says this. um, It says, uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. That, That sometimes we forget that. And we, we pick up a mirror and we look at ourselves through, through the eyes of the world, through that lens. And, and we judge ourselves or we allow others to judge us that way. But he says this, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That, that where your heart is, if you're pursuing Christ with it, if that's the direction that you've gone and you've humbled yourself, and you've submitted, you're saved, you're loved, you're victorious. And any time that you face an obstacle or something in, in, this, in this life, you can push past and say, that's not me. I'm saved, I'm loved, I'm victorious. Yeah, but, no, I'm saved, I'm loved, I'm victorious. Yeah, but you've done this thing over here. No, I'm saved, I'm loved, I'm victorious. That any time the world wants to kick you down, you're what, you're saved, I'm loved, I'm victorious, that we get to push past and say, that's not who I am, that's the old guy, that man's dead, because I'm saved, I'm loved, I'm victorious, and we get to push forward, walking in what Christ has called us to, and when you walk in that, you experience life to its fullest, and we get to realize that I'm no longer 
addict. I'm no longer lost. I'm no longer unloved. I'm no longer broken. I'm saved. I'm loved. I'm victorious. A couple action steps tonight is this. Identify the labels you've come to believe, both good and bad. That there's things, there's truths that you've bought into. Some are false, some maybe not. But identify the labels, the way that you see yourself. Replace any negative labels that you have about yourself with what God thinks about you. Begin to create a value statement. And I want you to know this. You can spend hours, days studying the things that God says about you, the good things. Stop, stop giving the world a voice in your life that it's never earned. God earned the voice. He, he sacrificed himself to be that voice, to be that redemption. Allow him to speak life and declare those things over you. So replace those negative labels about yourself and create a value statement that's based on God's word. And then start and end each day by reading your new value statement aloud until you replace those old negative labels. You've gotta, we've gotta get past this if you want success. If you keep walking in the old life, you're gonna keep experiencing the old things, that we've gotta walk in what God has for us that's new. And we've gotta take those old labels off and say, this is me now, this is who I am. And it's when we start to do that, that we can experience the fullness of the work that Christ has done in our lives. And so all of this, I told you right from the beginning, it starts with a relationship with Jesus that, that in order to declare that you're saved, <laughs> that you've got to be saved. You've got to be surrendered. And so that starts by, by realizing that, that Jesus was not only a man, but that he was God, that he was God in a body, that, that he was sent to live and to die so that we could be saved, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have new life. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made that commitment, that, that you've never humbled yourself and surrendered in that way, we wanna encourage you that here at the end of service, we're gonna have our chip prayers and huggers up front. And tonight's the night where you can make that decision, the best decision to submit to him so you can tear off the old labels, so you can let your old life die, so you can begin to walk anew. And so if you wanna make that decision tonight, we would love to pray with you and for you. If you're in here and, and you've gotten off track, Maybe you journeyed for a little while and you started to pick those old labels back up and, and put them back on and, and it distracted you and you realize, you know what, it's time to come back. It's time to recommit. If that's you tonight, man, we would love to pray with you and for you and, and to help you to make that journey back into the kingdom. Or maybe you're in here and, and you just need prayer and we would love to pray with you. Whatever it is, whether to celebrate in your life or to ask God for help, we just wanna journey with you. And then lastly, we're gonna have our white chips up front that, that if through service, God was just dinging something in your life, just speaking to you about something that you realize that, that you need to surrender, that you need to let go of, I wanna encourage you to come pick up a white chip tonight. And there's a blank space. You can write down today's date. You can write down what it is. But all you're saying is just between you and God, you're saying, I'm handing this over to you. I'm gonna let you deal with it. I'm gonna stop carrying it. I'm gonna let the cross handle it. And so for any of those things to, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to get a white chip, or if you just need prayer, I would encourage you to, to come down front and just, just allow us just to journey with you. If you guys could do this, if you could stand to your feet as we close in worship.